Good morning. Welcome. Some of you have may have noticed the vestiges of a one-minute live where you got a raw, in-depth, behind-the-scenes look at what it's like to uh, be a part of this gong show podcast easy he runs the live instead of the record only thank and and my question to him literally at at 50 seconds was do we have any viewers he's no everybody's asleep well cancel it (laughs) so if you somehow caught a trace of that we are so sorry i hope you got a little chuckle out of it this is actually the real podcast this is the real episode we're not going back we're only moving forward aren't we easy correct game on here we go Brother, I love you. (laughs) It's too early for me. It is. Now, are all of our settings correct? Yes. Mixer is is on and enabled. Yes. Cameras are on and enabled. We've gone through the list. We're ready to go. Well, you're on the screen right now, so I can assume. That's true. But you never know. Anyways, you guys really don't care about all of that. So, thank you so much for being here. You got your boy Mike. You got your boy Easy. Oh, I expected him to say something. That's that's fine. Nope. Uh, <laughs> nope. You do not have Massey. Why? Because Nevada has Massey. But you knew you do know what we do have. What? Second angle Mike. Ooh. Oh cool, man, it's like cool your... fade into it. Boom. Super dramatic. Oh, that's that's a a daily wired oh, cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ever notice that they'll, they'll like, you know, Massey has talked about that, like slow moving gimbal daily wire has that. And they'll about... do the, that like slow fade dramatic cut. How about this? Ooh. <laughs> I, if you find a spot to use it, go for it. I got it's, you. it's so cheesy. I love it. <laughs> Let's do it. There was, I was watching something. What was it? And they were, it, it was a modern cast. I think it was like a church cast. And they were using like 80s transitions, man. What? Yes. They were use, like transitions from the 80s. It was, <laughs> and if if you're not involved in like production, audiovisual production, you probably don't even notice or really care. But those who have a bit of a finger on the pulse of audiovisual, they'll watch it and they'll go like, oh, oh so dated they, it's uh, it's like having shag carpet in your living room ooh. that's what that type of transition is to audiovisual people were they like like i a, don't even know how to describe up, it but... like charismatic church or was it like no like, kind of like presbyterian or i like, don't i don't remember sit down very traditional i think it was probably a more traditional one maybe non-denominational but okay that's crazy either way about. yeah um so anyway. a little lesson for y'all keep your transitions up to date also, do not forget to go to theselfevidenttruth.com, theselfevidenttruth.com, because we have sweatshirts that extol the virtues of socialism. You see that? See that? Oh, wait, there's more. And just like everybody who looks at it, you'll do a double take. So like social. Uh, Massey and I were, were at the movie theater for Left Behind Rise of the Antichrist. Boom. Go out, check it out. And we must have had five, six people that were talking to us about conservative values because of the shirt that Massey was wearing, which was a socialism shirt. As soon as we walked in, there was a couple that were getting their tickets checked. And you could tell both of them were like, yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. You know, and and then we got in line and there was some old guy that was quoting like Churchill to us and all of that. So it was good. It was fun. And one of the things that Massey and I were talking about while in line is all of these people think they're alone. They all think they're alone in what they're thinking, because that's that's the narrative that's been pressed upon all of us is quiet. Shut up. Nobody thinks like you, bigot. Nobody's closed minded like you. You, you need to just be quiet. And the truth is, I think the majority of people feel the way you do. And I have gotten overwhelmingly positive response from this. I think w- I've only had a small handful of times. One of them was when we were at that fair. You remember yeah. that? 
we were at a, a like a open market fair type thing selling self-evident stuff and some lady came up and started arguing about socialism you know how great it was and all of that that's one of only a handful of times and most of the time the negatives are just kind of a dirty look or a you know or i think i've gotten like one socialism's great i can only think of one other time i think it was uh in ohio that dude that came up and he was like well i'm socialist and just left it at that i vaguely remember that that's right i forgot about that and he was like a nicely dressed guy right wasn't he yeah kind of like boy for being so socialist look pretty capitalist to me but either way i hate capitalism with my brand new phone and my nice chrysler and my nice cozy home i i just said something some derivative of that to paul the other day uh yesterday uh because he got a new phone we were talking about apple and (laughs) he and i are about the only non-apple people in the office and (laughs) it's just really convenient that's that's all i like about it, it. it apple is a cult come at me bro come at me Massey will watch that. <laughs> Massey's very much an Apple guy. Um, but but I said, you know, yeah, keep railing against capitalism on your Apple iPhone and drinking your Starbucks and typing away on your Apple computer. Yeah, down with capitalism. Although I will say that Marx had some quote, something similar to, and I'll kind of butcher it, but this is a summary. The last capitalist will hang with the rope that he sold us. Oh. And so I think communists communists don't tend to care that they're using the capitalist system to bring it down. Sure. We, at the end of the day, we tend to have a principle of, I want to be consistent. And we point out the inconsistencies. All of us point out the inconsistencies of everybody else because we're all hypocrites. But he, he, he recognized, now we'll use the capitalist system to take it down. So... You know, as much as I point the finger in Josh, because most of those pie in the sky, head in the clouds, socialist, college, middle class, white, bourgeoisie, Antifa people, and that description is fairly accurate, most of them think they're being principled and consistent and, and rail against capitalism. Yet, enjoying the fruits of it every single day, especially the big corporations. Now, I don't. I I have my qualms with the big corporations. I have plenty of of frustration with the incestuous relationship between government and big corporations, and the the power that big corporations wield. But I also recognize the benefit that they produce. Yeah. You cannot get away from the fact that no matter how it happened, which I don't agree with how it happened, Nike and Adidas and these major shoe companies have made your feet protected and more comfortable at a very low cost. Now, we can argue about how they did it and all of that, but the fact is that they brought convenience and first class, first world comfortability to the masses. They reduced poverty, these corporations. No, they did. They're, they're making the wealth more in- inequality. We were giving away cell phones to people in the Obama era. You have a machine, a computer in your hands that has access to all of the known information in the world in your hands. You have something that has microscopic pieces working together within it at your hands. You have something that has rare earth minerals that you could never dream of digging up nor using properly in your hands. And we're giving that that piece of technology that that advanced alien type technology away for free i would argue that maybe you know evils aside capitalism has done something Mm -hmm. something well 
We have an AC unit in our window, kind of makeshift. I'm surprised I don't see duct tape and styrofoam kind of around the whole thing, but that's okay. It it cools us. And we live in Florida. AC revolutionized Florida. You live in climate-controlled houses, and Jordan Peterson has made a very similar argument for all your railing against capitalism and invention and technology and, and modernization. You are surviving because you have a refrigerator plugged in in your kitchen. You have a heater on in your house. You have an AC on in your house. Now, do people live in squalor in the U.S.? Yes. But we have such abundance that we're sharing untold amounts of wealth with those who we see as having nothing. Right. I think I shared this maybe a couple podcast episodes ago, but this is... This is very different from past generations, the, the the one that we live in now, because past generations, we used to have to work to achieve something, work to... Fought for comfort, we is what you said. Yeah. yeah, but now we're fighting comfort. We are mm-hmm. so caught up looking at our phones. Like you said, we have the entire encyclopedia of knowledge at our fingertips that everyone in the world has known or whatever whatever you said and and we use it to watch people pointing at bubbles (laughs) right we watch it to listen to people crunch things with their hands or people recording their oh man there are some weird little corners of the internet aren't there but like we get so drawn in and we get like so content with staring at our phone for like five hours throughout the day and one thing that i will give to apple that is very convicting is I love the fact that they tell you your average screen time per day throughout the week at the end of each week. Yeah. So mine was like seven hours a day. Woo! Yeah. And it said that was down by 21% from the previous week. Whoa! Yeah. So lesson in that is um, delete, delete Apple. Media. <laughs> delete. <laughs> delete. Phone disappears. Actually, this is a perfect segue. This is a perfect segue because today, back by popular request, I did not receive a single disapproval email in my inbox. So if you're not happy about this podcast episode, it's your fault because you didn't reach out. You did not use capitalism. You did not use capitalism. You did not use (laughs) democracy to make the vote to end this series before it began. I'm sorry, but this series continues. God Verse science. Dun, dun, dun. Last week, Friday, which was last week. Ooh, nice. That's that's like saying last year on January 1st. Yes, I am that petty. <laughs> I've got to entertain myself somehow, bro. <laughs> Massey isn't here. No, he's not here, so I've got to entertain myself. I hope y'all having fun. Laugh at the monkey. <laughs> Um, last Friday, we were getting into science and we went kind of a, a side direction about keeping your mind open towards evidence, um, uh, being careful not to publicly pontificate about things that maybe you should have discernment about on both sides. And I, I will say, I was thinking about this this morning. One of my frustrations with things like shorts and reels is there's no context. And I, I got to thinking about the science episode. And one of my frustrations that I foresee coming up is as we build more shorts about the whole science side of things, people aren't going to understand the context. So they're going to think here's this religious nut railing against science again, which if you notice, I put a good portion of the podcast last time against the religious nuts as well as the science nuts. As in, a, let's all shut our mouth a little bit and let's, let's pay attention to what we're saying, right? Let's not tread where we don't need to tread. This week, I want to get more into what the actual notes were for the podcast from Friday. Because I think, especially if you've grown up as a believer, thick in the the 
religious tradition, science has almost become an enemy. And we'll pay lip service to science. We'll say, well, you know, science it does good when it's in the right hands. And, you know, science can be useful. And we've got no problem with science. And then as soon as evidence comes out, oh, those crazy scientists, atheists, they don't know what they're talking about. Science is very useful. And science is was a tool of discovering creation. No matter who you thought created it, it was originally a tool of discovering creation. And we'll get a little bit into how that that changed or modified. But the lesson I want you to take away from this is science is actually very valuable. And I think if both sides understand their differences, they understand how they see the world, but they also understand where their limitations happen, there's a lot more conversation that can go on. Because I will say it this way, one of my enjoyments of something as nerdy as quantum physics and quantum mechanics is how for me it points to god and and the depth of creation because when you get to the quantum level a lot of the laws like basically flip oh yeah <laughs> it's Dude, it's insane i've i looked into the whole idea of light is a ray or is light a wave right and it's it's so wild because it it's I can't even describe it because I don't understand it's all it's I both. don't understand <laughs> it because of quantum physics because right because I see it and I see it as I see it like not under a microscope and it looks the way that it should but then you put it underneath that microscope and it's completely different and it acts completely different and contrary to what we think right because the the our concept of time breaks down at the quantum level. It's like you flip the light switch, turn the light off, and instead you turn the blender on in the other room. <laughs> like, what well, just and happened? They, and, and I don't want to get too far into this, but what's cool is you look at this, the experiments that they do, especially with light photons, and the one in the future will affect the pathway of the one in the past. Right. And the one in the past will affect the pathway of the one in the future. And, and the way they've come about this is just so cool. And, and they think about time so differently than we do, because we think second past, no more. That second is gone. I'm moving forward. They, their theories about time are just awesome, which actually opens up the theory of, look, if God is stepping outside of time or God is outside of time, I should say. It makes more sense that at the quantum level, at, at the, the construction level, perhaps the concept and perception of time breaks down a little bit because at some point there's an end. There's a boundary around it, right? You, you think about a building is the structure, but then there's nature outside of the building. Right. There, there has to be a difference between the air molecules and the steel molecules or the concrete molecules. You could see time as being the same thing. There's a construction or a building of time. And outside of the time molecules is spiritual, heavenly, eternity, eternity, attorney. Attorneys are, they have a hard time getting into heaven. <laughs> eternity. And then there's time molecules and within that time structure, right? That's so cool to me. It's so cool. Because it's like, man, the knowledge we have is so limited. That's what's beautiful about science. Is Science is the how. How does this work? If you look at your body, your body is a complex creation, right? Science is the study of creation. Shout out to my atheist friends. To creation. It's a study of everything. It's a, how does this work? How does this go? How did this happen? Right? I think, I think religion gets more into the why nature and, and the source nature. And at some point, we're all working on authority. You were not there at the Big Bang. And if you were, you and I need to have a conversation because I have lots of questions. We weren't there. We weren't there 300 years ago. We weren't there 150 years ago. 
99.9% of you weren't there 100 years ago. We work on authority of information as well as evidence, right? And science is the exploration of that evidence. Science is coming up with a hypothesis and then proving or disproving it. You try to remove as many variables as possible. You create an experiment and then you decide, boy, does this experiment correlate with my hypothesis or go against it? And then you get into the stats of things. How much does it correlate? Is it 100% of the time A plus B equals C? Or is it like 2% of the time A plus B equals C? That randomness is what we use to determine how likely an event is going to happen again, considering all the factors. And this is why I was saying with climate change, one of my frustrations is we've decided A plus B equals C, despite the fact that you cannot account for the thousands, millions of variables in determining where the temperature is going to be in 200 years. Yeah. And I'm, anyways, you already heard me. If you didn't hear me on the last podcast, go to the last podcast to get the full context of what I'm talking about in climate change. I'm not going down that road. This road that I'm going down, we tend to think that this is the age of science and therefore science was invented past couple hundred years. Science has been happening since the beginning of time. Science, humans observe what's going on and they try to understand it. That's science, guys. We as the faithful, this is how I explain it. Creation is a treasure hunt. God created a treasure hunt for us. We get to spend an eternity learning about him by discovering his creation, which is just a, a tiny factor of him, his character. So when we discover more about nature, we discover more about quantum physics, we discover more about astronomy and everything going on in the stars, it's discovering the Lord. Astronomy, not astrology. Which, let's get into that. Because that, that's my next point, right? The ancients were masters at knowing the stars, sun, and moon. Their movements, their constellations, being able to accurately tell time, seasons, and periods from the stars. The stars became a predictable roadmap to the ancients. Astrology believes, the theory of astrology is, that the stars and constellations, sun and moon, determine events. Not only that, but it also determines who you are. Right. Which is super frustrating. Yes. Um, and, and I really wonder if astrology is just another perversion of what God set forth. Because God himself set forth that the stars and the sun and moon will be assigned for times, right? Oh, whoa, whoa. Right. Scriptural. I've never thought of it like that. He did, right? And and it's scriptural. They are set for signs for times. Now, if you look at the ancients, and and once again, not that I'm saying every conclusion is right, but that Netflix series, Ancient, uh, Ancient Apocalypse by Graham Hancock, mm -hmm. he talks a lot about how accurate the, the astronomy of the ancients was now they mixed faith religion and all of that in there but there seems to be accuracy in in setting forth which if you look at scripture scripture talks about god set forth signs of times right through the stars the moon and the sun where we pervert it is we decide those are the source of the events because this constellation is right here, that means that that event is going to happen because that constellation caused it. That constellation causes who you are as a person. <coughs> Perhaps we're putting the cart before the horse and we should point back to the creator. Yeah. So look, I got all this in order. I've, I've set all of this. <laughs> Do you know? there, there's a... There's a rapper I recently found, and he he made a four part song called Witchcraft, uh, basically calling out tons of tons of things that are are really witchcraft. Um, and I remember one of the, one of the lines that he wrote and and rapped was, "I don't care if you're Aquarius or Sagittarius, 
God did not create it. He probably thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> and it was it was such like an out of the blue like thing to but it, it wasn't out of the blue because he was talking about that. He was right. talking about how we we forget God and worship his creation. We worship astrology. Romans one. Romans one. It really makes you think, man. Like what are what else are we worshiping in this life? What else are we putting before God? And or putting before God in the sense of we're attending to that first before going to God, not putting before God as in the sense of we're giving it to him. Right. And anything idols are not just statues. Right. Idols are things that you look to and and put your trust and faith in instead of the Lord like looking at my phone for seven hours a day that could be boom i i think worshiping goes a bit higher level but you're right that's the seed of worship because then what are you getting out of that phone or what are you expecting to get out of that phone right i think we can we can worship anything we have made a history as humans of worshiping law worshiping the law knowledge of good and evil trying to be wise in our own eyes right we we if your identity is not in christ then you're worshiping something else you romans one spells this out if you reject god you'll start worshiping the creation instead of the creator all of a sudden you're worshiping the animals you're worshiping the trees you're worshiping yourself and where does that road lead you give in to your natural desires. You give in to your passions, right? As as Scripture says it. And if you press hard enough, God will give you up to it. And that is a dangerous place to be. Which, that's really another argument for free will, man. I just I just thought about that. The whole predestination versus free will thing. Yeah. If, if there's a point where God is giving you up to your passions and desires, that means that he is allowing your free will to take course yeah i I just thought that i mean Um, think about it this way the the bible talks about that and he says that those who are wicked and who who have gone astray from the lord he gives them up to their own ways he says all right you don't want me cool you can do what you want to do and even for we who follow him he's like you want me okay come on right let's go right this is your free will taking action right now exactly so uh, I, I've got to move forward. But one other thing that I wanted to point out yeah. was alchemy. Alchemy, uh, people see it as what it, some might even be. What is that? Um, if you've ever played like a fantasy role playing game, alchemy has some part of it. And it's it's basically, do you think my description was fair? Where is your description? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> under what is science, the second from the last paragraph. Uh, so this is what I'll say. Alchemy was the attempt to take normal elements and change them into something else, right? Uh, this, this was that whole idea of turning lead into gold. Um, alchemy also believed that there were hidden mystical properties and elements that tied to the rest of nature and creation. And so those, those elements that you grabbed in alchemy, and if you mixed them right, they could do something a lot of times the thought was mystical effect upon you. Right. Isn't this a type of science? To me, this is a type of science. Why? Because you're exploring nature. You're trying to figure out the the hidden properties of nature. You're trying to figure out what works, what doesn't, what correlates, what doesn't. Right. Now I'm not saying therefore alchemy is a established uh, conventional way of science, but I think We need to recognize that science is so much more than just a guy in a lab coat sitting in a lab putting something into a beaker. Right. Um, We've been doing science since the beginning of time because we are curious creatures. We have a curiosity about creation. I would say alchemy is – that definition is is very, very accurate. It's trying to achieve supernatural means through the hidden natural. Thank you. That's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. Um, now science, science really started to ramp up during the Renaissance. Uh, and you had Francis Bacon who I don't, 
I hope nobody says he invented the scientific hypo or scientific method. I would say he organized it. Yeah. He put it into words. Because this is really kind of a, a natural process that all of us go through in our daily lives. We set up a hypothesis, okay? Or let me start at the beginning. I'm going to give you the steps of the scientific method. Tell me you don't do this in your daily life in some way, shape, or form. Make an observation or identify a problem. Ask a question. Form a hypothesis, as in, I think that this and this and this will happen. Test the hypothesis, analyze the data, and draw a conclusion, report the results. We do it in our daily lives. We identify something, we identify a problem, we ask a question, even if it's a, a instant question, I wonder if this will work. I wonder if this will happen. I'm an echo chamber, though. I don't ask questions. <laughs> Isn't this kind of the epitome of an echo chamber, a podcast? Wait a minute. Because I'm talking into a mic, recording it, and so therefore nobody can disagree with me until they put their comments oh. in. And then I can ignore so, their comments. So that is a great – now is a great time to comment below what you think. <laughs> and while you're down there, you can go ahead and like, subscribe, share for more. This guy. This guy. Okay, so this clarified the scientific process during the late ages of the Renaissance – and that led into the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment was considered this age of reason, this age of skepticism. Okay, The Enlightenment was when they started to question established truths. Truths. Right. So it, it works with philosophy hand in hand. Science and philosophy both looked during the Enlightenment and said, well, wait a second. Let's test this. Let's what, pull this apart. How would you define philosophy? Because science is the the science is the how is this happening? Right. I think philosophy aligns more into the why. Yeah. Um, if there's yeah, there's crossover. Sure. If you want to define those words down to uh, nothing, but overall, which then we get into the philosophy <laughs> of deconstruction. Philosophy of deconstruction. Philosophy is more. I think more of the why. Yeah. Um, I think science tends to be more of the how. Mm -hmm. I think science can get itself into trouble when it goes, this proves there is no God. That's, that's a really hard position to take because once again, then we're working on authority. We're working on theory. And so for me, philosophy is more of the, the, the why, the reason behind the, the, it's an, ethereal yeah, theory because it's it's not necessarily like it doesn't take on the religious why aspect that religion does right but it, it'll it'll take on like it's a science in a way if we it, a science of ideas yeah i could say so because science is is natural it's going after nature. It's going after things that can be reproduced. It's going after hard evidence, so to speak, physical evidence. I think of like people, unfortunately, people like Freud, where he looked at the, the, the processes of the brain or like the tendencies of people, you know, like why, why is it that, that people do this? Maybe I don't know. I, well, and I think that gets into the realm of what they considered the contrast between hard science and soft science oh. um and freud psychology right it's it's more to me it's more of a philosophy than a science um a lot of cover but that's a good question it's something to think about um i care i care so the scientific revolution this is generally considered to have spanned from the end of the 1500s through the 1600s until about the 1800s. This coincides pretty well with the end of the Renaissance through the Enlightenment into the Age of Reason. And both science and philosophy played off each other, right? So you had these philosophies that science then went and either disproved or proved, you know, and there's a, a great mixture between the two. So the first question is, okay, what is being observed, right? 
So we're going to go through the scientific process really quickly. We're observing the physical world around us, right? We can learn from observation and testing. We can learn the speed of light, the DNA of life forms, the depth of the oceans, and the distances of the planet, planets. However, we can learn about the origin of something. Can we? Sorry. Can we learn about the origin of something purely by observing its current existence? And there's a, a rule, especially in quantum mechanics, that anything observed will change. The observation of it will change it. Um, that 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 goes back in the oh, that's we can go in the Schrodinger's cat. We can go everywhere. Oh my gosh! But maybe I said on last podcast, but Melissa hates the Schrodinger's cat. Really? Dilemma? Because it's a cat in a box with a poison vial. Oh. She's she's like that's just if you know what Schrodinger's cat is, and this will help open you up to some jokes you'll hear in modern culture. Um, I I know uh um uh, what's that show about the the smart guys the nerds you know what i'm talking about it was a sitcom for a long time a bunch of brainiacs oh in one. big bang theory yes uh, they had made schrodinger's cat jokes several times schrodinger's gotcha. cat quantum mechanic theory is it doesn't happen until it's observed right so the cat is in the box you can't see the cat there's a poison vial that's broken in the box the cat is both alive and dead until you observe it so mike we can be in a pitch black room and you can smack me and you didn't smack me until the lights came on. <laughs> kind of a perversion of the thought, but yes, you know. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Yes. Uh, and, and it gets into quantum laws, right? Uh, now, is there any level of existent that's outside our observation? This is something we've got to understand. Science observes. So if there's something outside of our observation, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It's just we don't have observation of it yet. And can science observe and measure all possible levels of existence? No. So what about the spiritual plane of existence? Now, we can try to draw conclusions through how much randomness happens versus how much correlation. But if there is a, a truly independent personality behind it, our level of randomness versus correlation might not determine whether or not that personality exists. What am I talking about? Miracles and healings. Mm. If there is, if there are more variables than we recognize and we draw the inference that, well, prayer doesn't commit healings. We may not be observing all of the other factors that are happening, especially on a spiritual plane. And that's that's that where the, the scientists, rationalists has to be careful that they don't fall into their presuppositions and their conclusions. Just like the religious can't look at evidence that points against their faith and decide, well, that's just bull honky. That's that's a lie. Mm -hmm. that's been cast forward well no you've got to deal with that evidence and you've got to understand it maybe there are more factors outside of it that you don't realize yeah um recently i've been getting like a lot of like pastors and stuff on my my feed on like youtube and instagram me too which is really nice yeah. like i i really enjoy getting like those words from people and stuff um but last night i got a a guy preaching about allah and he used to be christian in the his reasoning for for refuse i i noticed that he was denouncing god yeah because like i scrolled past one of his videos and he was talking to this this older like middle-aged woman yeah um who was christian and i i was looking through his page and he said that he doesn't he doesn't believe in god anymore because he couldn't grasp the concept of God coming down in a physical form. I saw the exact same one. I've had a lot of like Islam ones popping up lately on my feed too. That is the point. That's weird. Well, and, and that's what I noticed. He kept saying as though it was scientific was I can't imagine a God in the flesh, a human being fully divine. Just because you can't imagine it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Yeah. I and feel like that reinforces the point a little more because it 
God is not supposed God in general, whether it be whether it be true Yahweh or or fictional Zeus, it was never made it was it's never meant to be something for us to fully comprehend. Right. Because we are human. Our our comprehension should be limited if we're going to have a God who is greater than us. Your dog cannot comprehend the inner workings of the motor that is driving the car that the dog is into the park. Correct. All the dog knows is he's going to the park. <laughs> and why does he know that? Because he's taken that route many times and he knows when he's getting close. But he does not understand the science of combustion, the science of back pressure, the science of, of force and inertia. He doesn't understand any of that. All he knows is he's getting close to the park. I do not want a God that I fully understand. Yeah. Now, you could say, well, see, there's your bias. Because you're presupposing your God needs to be bigger than what you understand. Well, if he created me and he created all of this, in my mind, it's logical to assume maybe he knows more than I do and he sees things that I don't. Yeah. Um, and that's, I'm not taking shots at the agnostic or the atheist what i'm saying is i'm okay with not knowing because that makes more sense to me not knowing than to me to try and grasp it and say well if i don't understand it it must not be real right and anything that that we do question the lord can reveal to us right i i love to your point and then we got like five minutes for me to blast through two pages yeah Woo! sorry no you're good um George Washington Carver, there's this old fable. Whether or not it's true, I, I think it's a beautiful microcosm or, or a beautiful encapsulation of relationship with the Lord. Washington Carver was looking up at this guy. He's like, Lord, something effective. Tell me the secret of existence. And God says, that's too big for you. All right, well, well, tell me the secret of life. That's too big for you. Tell me the secret of, of the ground. That's too big for you. And he sees a peanut on the ground. He picks it up and he says, okay, Lord, tell me the secret of the peanut. God says, that I can show you. And he comes up with like 300 different uses for the peanut. That's how he made peanut butter. It, exactly. That's exactly what happened. And that peanut transformed the economy of the South. Wow. Because the the ability of mass production of cotton was obviously going down. Now they had the cotton gin, which helped transform the economy of the South, but then the peanut helped stabilize it as well. Sometimes things are too big for us to understand. We should be okay with that. That's we really great. should. Even, that is extremely beautiful to think that even the ground is too complicated for us to understand. So we only have the comprehension for something the size of a peanut. Right. That's how big your brain is. That's cool. <laughs> um, Einstein wrote, science without religion is lame. Religion without science is blind. And I, I think they actually make very good companions when they're, they're used properly. Yeah. I mean, science really was the, the treasure hunt of creation. That's what it was used for in the church. The, the church used it to learn more about the world. Some of the greatest scientists were doing it because of their faith in the Lord. So let's not, let's not shirk the fact that, hey, God gave us creation to discover and learn about. Um, and even Galileo, I, I want to I cover the Galileo yeah, record. Let's get into this. So the church made mistakes in the whole thing, and the Catholic Church admits this. And there's, there's been whole conferences where Catholics and non-Catholics have gotten together, written essays, looking through the evidence of what really happened in this whole situation. I'm going to just read this because I think the way I wrote it probably encapsulates it best. They were in the midst of fighting the Reformation and Calvinism, the Catholic Church was. Reformation and Calvinism were basically saying, you don't know what you're talking about. Scripture says differently. There's there's literal translation and there's figurative translation in scripture. Let's be aware of both. The Catholic church was saying, no scripture is literal. We need to hold on to our translation, our, our interpretation of the whole thing, right or wrong. That, that was where the mindset was. They were looking for heresies. 
They wanted to get people away from fanciful interpretations of Scripture, which are dangerous. They're dangerous. I've heard people say, well, Adam and Eve are one flesh, and so therefore I can be any gender I want. That's a fanciful interpretation. And the church was locking down on anything that looked like it was questioning the literal interpretation of Scripture. The church was funding science in Galileo. You don't fund something that you don't think could be useful to you. What happened, though, was he was continuing to pound on a theory that the church had felt was discredited. So the church said, look, Copernicus already did this. We already went through all this. We discredited this. This is disproved. Why do you continue hammering this? So he continues to pound on it. The tribunal that was set up felt that this was promoting heresy that needed to be squashed. They were saying, we already did away with this, yet you're continuing on this line. Now you're becoming heretical because you're going against the, what the church has determined. Plenty of de debate still exists. And yes, the church should have allowed him to be free to continue arguing. However, he was also arguing some discredited theories about the tides being evidence for the Earth's motion. And one of the problems was he, when he realized that the tides were not the evidence that he could use, he swept away the things that were discrediting him in the tides, and he still used the tides. One of his arguments was about how many tides, tide changes happen in a day. Well, the problem is some areas there's two tide changes. Some areas there's one. So what did he do with the ones that discredited his own theory? Uh, we'll just sweep those away and we'll continue along this line with the tides that I like. That was one of the issues going on. Okay. Again, I'm not saying that the church didn't make the absolutely. They, they, even if he was causing heresy, what they should have said was God will judge. God will weigh this out, right? Now, his conclusion might have been right, but some of his evidence was wrong. And so, therefore, in their minds, because they didn't know, they didn't have telescopes going, oh, yeah, guess what? <laughs> so they discredited the conclusion. This seems to have been a battle of wills. Galileo seems to have been a guy who, stick it to the man, I'm doing what I want to do, right? And so the church decided to literally make him stay home, <laughs> It was like the last 10 years of his life. They put him on house arrest. He, was, he wasn't in poverty in house arrest. Okay, I'm not saying it was right, but they didn't burn him at the stake. He did the COVID isolation before he, it was cool. Exactly. See, wow. you know, he, he, he was with science. <laughs> <laughs> and the, ch the church helped him in science. The problem with, with religion is religion can become so oppressive that it crushes and oppresses other people. Yeah. It destroys their free will. The problem with science is that it can become scientism and it can crush skepticism and contrary thought. Be very wary when you're told science is settled. Be very wary when you're told that science is the only thing that can answer any of these questions, that science is the best form of answering anything. You get into it, a sense of faith called scientism, and it becomes a, a weapon. Scientism steps behind the science, behind the use of science for the natural world, and it steps into trying to describe everything in humanity, psychology, social behavior, and developed predictability. All of a sudden, it's trying to engineer human beings in society. And that's very dangerous. Scientism results in eugenics because you make conclusions and inferences about massive groups of people it's dangerous. That's honestly where we're at today. We are. Because guess what you've just decided? There are two classes of people. Those who accept what science says and science deniers. Mm -hmm. Even though science is supposed to question and disprove itself, the more disproving happens, the better off you are. The more questioning that happens, the better off you are. Why? Because skepticism helps purify the results. 
We need to purify the results. So when somebody raises questions about topic du jour, that's not a bad thing. Take it and use that questioning and go, hmm, maybe they see something I don't. Mm -hmm. Just as in our faith, it's okay for somebody to say, well, I don't understand why you feel this way. Why do you believe this? That's okay. It's okay for your faith to be questioned. That's the whole problem with the deconstruction movement. Deconstructing your faith mm -hmm. is it's good to question and it's good for, for skepticism to purify. But you can tear it down too far, right? So I'm not arguing for tearing it down deconstruction style to the end of things. You have to have a base to work from. Yeah. But it's good to refine your faith. It's good to refine science. When you put any type of metal, I'll say gold for this. When you put gold into a crucible and heat it up, all the imperfections, all the impurities will rise to the top to be scraped away. Right. Now you can then pour the gold out, let it harden, do the same thing later, and still notice that there's some impurities. The more you do that process, the more and more pure that gold becomes. Right. And to your point, to wrap this up in a bow, if you deconstruct that gold too far, it's useless to you. Yeah. It loses its value. It loses its value. It's no longer useful. So I understand let's not use skepticism and deconstruction until you destroy the thing you're trying to purify. But the purification process is very important. In your faith, it's very important to ask good questions. It's okay to struggle with your faith. Just don't destroy the foundation of it. <laughs> yeah. We spoke about that on Friday, right. last Friday, right? which you guys should go watch. Go check it out. Um, okay. I got to get going. It's yep. time to go. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this helps fill in some gaps. I hope this answers some questions. I hope it starts conversation, sparks interest in you. Uh, we are going to keep hammering and, and going through topics that help you see things in a new light. Our hope, our heart is to disciple, to lead you to that next step in who you are yep. in God your identity in Christ. And we'll take on challenges because there's no need to fear anything, right? We don't need to fear. Let's understand, okay? So to all of you, go to theselfevidenttruth.com, get yourself some merch, check out the blog, interact with us, like, share, subscribe, follow. Guys, I love you all so much. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you all have a great week, all right? So till next time, Love you guys. See you Friday. See you.